morning, everybody, and welcome to Casting Cast, the North American Die Casting Association's podcast. I'm Paul Brankleon. I'm the Director of Research, Education, and Technology. And I am Athena Catlett, the Advertising and Promotions Manager, and we are your hosts that are going to be taking you on this magical journey through our podcast. Today, we're going to introduce listeners to you know, what is die casting, what is high-pressure die casting, and then I'm going to introduce three guests who represent a cross-section of the die-casting industry. Our guests are going to help us understand you know, how they contribute to our daily lives and what they see for our current and future casting in their specific markets. Yeah, it's important, Paul. I know that you had mentioned doing a brief history. If I do my job right, then this will get to other people that probably don't know a lot about die casting. So maybe we can give everybody just a really brief cliff notes on what die casting is. So starting out with the definition of die casting, die casting is a high pressure process and where we're injecting molten metal into a reusable mold to produce a complex part. And it's made from several different types of alloys. Uh, a lot of those are non-ferrous alloys like magnesium, aluminum, zinc. And in today's world, we're actually experimenting with new alloys, ferrous alloys. These parts are made of high integrity materials, and when they come out of the molds, they're near net shape. So they're, they're near their end use, and with a little bit of additional post-processing, they, they become products that can be used right in the consumer market. You know, the, the die casting industry started officially early in the 20th century. You know, when the first patented machine by Herman Dohler was made, and from that point to this point, you know, castings have flourished, supporting uh, not only the American markets, but the worldwide markets. And in today's world, uh, about 90% of all products that we touch have a die casting in them. This process is also a, a very green process because the products that we're making are all made from recycled materials. So, these products are, are recycled over and over, and, and so they're not going to fill up landfills. They're, they're not becoming just waste. And once a product is used, it can be remade and then remade, uh, recast into a new product. Industries that use die castings are, are going to be aerospace, lawn and garden, renewable energy, power tools, automotive, home appliances, sports and recreation. You know, a, a lot of the things we touch every day have die castings in them. So I think you know, it's interesting that die casting is used so much in our everyday life. But everybody, when you talk to them, I don't know, I've been at parties before where they're like, what do you do? And I tell them that I work for the die casting industry and they say, oh, so like the little cars, like the little die cast cars. And I say, I get kind of, I mean, there's a lot more than that. So I think we should turn it over to our guests and introduce them, and they can dive a little bit more into the details of products that they make and just the general impact of the industry in our everyday life. So today we've got three guests. Uh, the first guest is Corey Vian. He is the mechanical engineering manager at Stellantis in Kokomo, Indiana. And we've got Todd Olson. He's the CEO of Twin City Die Castings in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Dave Hainer, who's the engineering manager 
for Dynacast in Elgin, Illinois. So these individuals represent uh, aluminum, zinc, and magnesium, and products that are made, you know, not only here in the United States, but in some cases worldwide. So today I'd like to start with Corey and just uh, first ask, you know, Corey, could you give us a, a quick overview of what castings you produce, and then, you know, how do they affect the daily lives of the people that are listening today? Certainly. Uh, thanks for having me here. Paul and Athena, happy to support uh, NADCA's efforts here on today's podcast. Um, so as mentioned, I work for Stellantis. It's a large automotive manufacturer that includes brands such as Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, um, and Ram. Um, we are 100% in the automotive industry. What we make at our plants are aluminum castings for both powertrain and structural applications. So within an automotive powertrain, we're talking uh, the engine block, transmission cases, torque converter housings, pump bodies, valve bodies, and brackets. So these are castings that allow the vehicle to move. Um, essentially, it's your engine is what's burning the fuel, providing that tractive motor through the transmission. Um, then another class of castings that, that our company produces is structural automotive casting. So these castings um, go into the body of the vehicle, um, support the various body panels, support the various structures for the wheels, etc. And then within uh, crash, they're, they're able to crumble in a way that, that absorbs energy within the crash system as well. Um, so Stellantis, again, where we Essentially, every automobile out on the road today has a good number of die castings, whether they're aluminum, magnesium, etc. And within also that, the internal combustion engine side, and then as electrification is coming as well, though those vehicles continue to use even more aluminum castings. So the castings you make, you know, not only automotive, but then hybrid vehicles? Hybrid vehicles, yes. Yeah. So within a hybrid vehicle, there's the traditional powertrain, so the engine and transmission is there. Then there's also the electrical motor components that are being carried as well. So, so as our company is hybridizing and electrifying our vehicle platforms, our casting plants are an integral part of the, that success and making castings to support those designs. So, so why aluminum for these parts is you know, how, how does that actually play into what you're doing? Yeah, so aluminum um, is a great material in a few regards. One of them is weight related. So aluminum continues to subplant steel components and vehicle light weighting. The other nice thing with a cast aluminum structure is the design freedom that you get allows you to make geometries that are stiffer than steel stampings and things of that nature, especially when we talk about body components. So it helps to both lightweight the vehicle and to help with noise and vibration by stiffening those components. So, so me as an end user, when you're lightweighting, you're you're helping my gas mileage. You're helping yeah, what? yeah, yeah. So, so very much, uh, very much gas mileage related. Um, so every every pound that we can take out of a vehicle relates back to that that mileage that you're getting from the pump. Okay, and. So where do you see castings going? I mean, in, what's it going to look like in 
in 2030 or 24. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to be around still? Oh, yes, yeah. Casting is not uh, going anywhere anytime soon in those regards. So really, as we've seen it, uh, especially with hybridization, the, the demand for aluminum die casting continues to grow. Uh, a large market, large market. Right now, it's uh, interesting times. You know, there's uh, a lot of casting work that is out there and available. The market's actually kind of tight overall. So there's a lot of automotive producers that are battling for capacities within the die casting industry today. So I mentioned recyclability uh, just a couple of minutes ago. Is is your product recyclable? I mean, can it be used over and it over? It is. Yeah, yeah. So so the aluminum products that we make can be remelted and reformed. So we tend to use within the Kokomo casting plant for our powertrain components a secondary aluminum supply. So what that means is pretty much every pound that we're pouring is a recycled material. There's scrap castings, whether it's scrap or maybe there's uh, vehicles that are at end of life. You know, if you think about vehicles from the 90s that are maybe going back to the scrapyard, at this point, those castings are being salvaged, recycled into uh, industrially usable aluminum again to the chemistries and cleanliness levels that we want, and we repour that aluminum. And even within our own plant, we we remelt our runners and overflows. We'll remelt scrap castings to to make them good castings again. So if you have scrap, you're just putting it back in the furnace and and making new parts again. Essentially, yeah. That, that's now, of course, the goal is not make scrap, but but when it does happen, we are able to to directly reuse that material in many cases. All right, excellent, Corey. Thank you. Moving on to Todd Olson. Uh, Todd's the CEO of Twin City Diecastings. So, Todd, can you know, can you give me the, kind of the same overview? You know, what what kind of castings do you produce? And then, you know, how do you guys affect those, those daily users out there? Yeah, thank you, Paul. Well, it's interesting how Athena started out with the uh, diecast car analogy. So, my first introduction to, to diecastings is I met somebody who worked at a diecasting company. And I asked them right away, do they make matchbox cars, uh, Hot Wheels, something like that. So uh, about 30 years ago, I was as uh, naive to the die casting industry as a, a lot of other people out there. But uh, the company I, I work for is uh, Twin City Die Casting Company, and we do both magnesium and aluminum die casting. So I'm familiar with uh, what Corey does there too. And then at one time we also did zinc. Uh, we're one of the oldest die casting companies in North America. We've since 1919 so we've been exposed to quite a few different items out there but right now on the magnesium side a fair amount of our our production does go into the automotive industry uh, one of our more popular products goes into the interior of bmw sport utilities that are manufactured down in uh, south carolina so any of the x5s x7s have our parts in there besides that uh, our, our next biggest market out there is actually on the medical side a lot of different devices out there need different programming out there or if you're in a hospital room you'll see that you're surrounded by different monitors out there and i'm always amazed when i, I go visit somebody in the hospital and, and see our products in there and one of the great things about a, a magnesium die casting compared to some of the other alternatives out there such as plastic is magnesium has uh, a great shielding effect uh, to make sure that other devices really aren't 
kind of interfering and, and talking to each other, which is obviously extremely important in some place like a, a hospital out there. And then uh, some of the other popular products we do, we do some on the power sports side, so uh, snowmobiles, and then a, a few consumer products out there. So a real wide net that, that we cast out there and that touches people in, in every single aspect of their life. So automotive, medical, you know, uh, sports vehicles, um, all those those areas. That's a lot of areas. So, are there any any medical areas that you know specifically you guys have have contributed to? Yes, we've been in the medical market for a while, which is a little bit unique to the diecasting side, and it's mostly on the magnesium side for us. Even though we we do a, a some on the aluminum side, and one of the nice things about mag. I, I, I mentioned before is, is the shielding effects, but it also finishes quite nicely out there. So um, some of the different enclosures out there are, are painted. And, and when you're procuring a $10,000, $20,000 device, you, know, you want it to look nice. But one of the unique areas that, that we really got exposed to a couple of years ago was during COVID, uh, we helped with producing ventilators out there to Early on during COVID, the U.S. government needed approximately 300,000 different ventilators. And we teamed up with a company called Ventec, uh, who was working with General Motors. And in a very short amount of time, I think anybody on this podcast that uh, knows anything about diecasting, we had a tool completed in six days, and, which is absolutely amazing. And this is a uh, fully hard tool. We had a tool shop over in Michigan, that's a great partner of ours, and it just kind of went to show you that when you really put your mind to something, what you can accomplish out there, and that was far quicker than we've done anything out there. Um, you know, fast tool for us, a real small one, which some of these were, you know, three four weeks is lightning speed, and then we got down to six days, just because what was needed out there to to help the community, to help the world, um, people set their minds to it, and did some great things. That that's amazing, you know, and, and we all kind of lived through COVID and, and we heard a lot of the newscasts and, and companies that were out there, you know, starting to produce ventilators who hadn't done it in the past. And and so you guys were right in the heat of this thing, helping getting the ventilators out, helping, you know, supply them to the US government and the hospitals. So so that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it goes to show the importance of of having uh the, the ability within our country and locally to produce these kind of items out there because uh, we went from producing a lot of parts for the automotive industry at that time, which really shut down uh, it shut down for about six to eight weeks in this whole country out there. But we were able to repurpose our manufacturing methods and equipment and such like that to, to help in a different area. And I hate to think of what happened if, if the diecasting industry wasn't as strong as it was in, in the U.S. And, and enabled us to, to pivot and do that. So with that and, and you know, kind of your the products you, you've made in the past, where do you see MAG going? Is MAG going to be around? Is, is magnesium going to, you know, move into the future with electrification and with the changes? Because we're all seeing these changes and they're coming at us at breakneck speed. So so what do you see, Todd? Well, well magnesium's up. Absolutely wonderful material. It's extremely abundant out there. Um, it, it comes from a lot of different areas. It's in the, the salt in the ocean out there. And really harvesting the magnesium and, and putting it into 
a usable form is is one of the the more uh, bigger challenges in our particular area out there but it's, it's a lightweight material out there it's lighter than aluminum uh, has a lot of the same effects as uh, aluminum from a, a strength side and, and, and such like that so really what we need to concentrate on to, to move magnesium diecasting forward is the production of the of the raw material out there because sooner or later even though everything's recycled out there you do need some primary material getting out there and that portion of the production is really dominated by China right now, about 85% of the world's magnesium coming from China out there. So a lot of the, uh, the companies that are, are using magnesium out there and the automotive companies that are designing it into their uh, particular parts of, are concentrating on how to get a, a good supply chain out there that uh, isn't dominated by one particular region out there. But I think there's absolutely a, a great spot for for magnesium just with the, the lightweight portion of it out there helping to get a vehicle that weighs less with these heavy batteries that are going in vehicles now it's even more important out there to balance that weight out there. so so using mag and electrification gives same thing that Corey kind of reviewed that you know you can get more distance better gas mileage by using these kind of products and longevity by using a metal product over other uh, products that are potentially out there. Correct. Okay. So our last guest is Dave Hainer. Dave Hainer is the engineering manager at Dynacast in uh, Elgin, Illinois. So Dave, I'm going to ask you kind of the same questions that, that I've asked uh, Corey and Todd, and, and that's, you know, give us a quick overview of what products you guys produce today, you know, and how, how do we see those? in our daily lives, you know, do we touch your kind of products? Sure. Thanks, by the way, to you guys and, and the other uh, panelists there. I'm in a good group here, as I can tell from listening to them. Dynacast is a, is a global company. We have 21 facilities in 19 countries, five of which are in North America, along with a tooling division. Our marketing research says that you touch seven parts we manufacture before you leave your driveway every day. So a few examples would be uh, the case for your cell phone. If you use a metal razor, we make all the metal razors for Gillette in, in the world. So our, all three, we make them in North America, we make them in Asia, we make them in um, Europe. Clothing zippers, that's how we got into the industry. How we got in was making uh, zippers for four-slide machines. We make internal door components, hinges on your refrigerator, faucet components, the key fob for your car, your car door handle, Rear view mirror mounts, lock mechanisms, side view mirror mounts, shifters, airbag housing, Bluetooth components, and backup camera housing. And then you leave your driveway. So we, we've, we've looked into that a lot because people call us out on it and we can show them. Not, those are just parts that you're going to touch. We do automotive. We do a lot of things under the hood as well. Zinc is a great part for small components. If you're going to put something large, three or four pounds on a car, it's not going to be zinc because it's just too much weight. But all the little electrical connectors under the hood, the sensors, all of those things uh, we, we manufacture in our four slide process. We do, to give you an example, we do over a billion castings a year. That, that's a lot of castings, Dave. So, you know, along with those seven parts that we touch every day, are there are there any parts like home appliances or or any other zinc areas that 
that, that you guys uh, work in? We do a lot of medical. We do um, stethoscopes. We do components that generally you don't want to put zinc inside the body, but we do do a, um, uh, a tool for uh, hysterectomies that gets a special coating on it that can then be can go inside of a, a body cavity. Um, I guess a lot of medical appliances. We do the handles on, on your refrigerator, hinges on your refrigerator, on little doors that swing out that have to support a lot of weight, but but need to be structurally sound. But washer and dryers, we do the hinges for those. We do internal gearing components. We One of our divisions does what's called IMA, which is injected metal assembly. And what that is, is we can take a, a steel component or brass or whatever, and we can put zinc around it. So what we do that with gearing, like you take a steel rod, it's automated into the tool, and then we shoot a zinc gear around it. It's permanently affixed to it, and it becomes a solid component. And you get the wear resistance of the steel on the shaft, and you get the flexibility and the cost savings of the zinc part molded onto it. So is zinc as recyclable as the other alloys we've heard from today? Absolutely. So we recycle all of our runners, overflows, you know, dating, everything. The parts can be recycled. It, it needs to be reformatted and re-alloyed to be a primary alloy, but it, it, it's as recyclable as, as anything. So Corey mentioned using secondary alloy. Do you guys actually buy secondary products then, secondary materials? We can't use secondary products because the orifice on our on our diecast machines is so small that we can't risk any kind of little impurities clogging it up. So when you get something bigger, those impurities don't hurt a diecasting, it's just they don't flow well through small orifices. So we only get primary. Okay. And and then the products you make can be recycled and, and be used in other zinc. Uh, applications that are not necessarily, you know, going out to those landfills. Oh no, it can. It would. What, what gets used zinc the most is galvanizing. So they would. They can take that, use it in that field or or anything else. It could be another casting again. And we have parts come out the front that, just like Corey, we don't like to make a reject. But if you do have a bad one, they can go right back in the furnace and become a casting again a minute later. Okay. So you know. Touching all these parts from from all three of you guys, I mean that's a huge cross section of castings in, in all markets that that the three of you guys are are producing that that we as everyday users are are touching. I mean right now I've got my computer, I've got other things just within hands reach that are, are definitely have uh, you know castings that the three of you support. So that's amazing. It's amazing that these products can be made that way. For for you, Dave, what, what kind of cycle time do you guys see in, in zinc? Is it is it pretty quick or is it a, a slower process? Well, our machines go all the way down to four tons. So uh, that's a pretty, for lockups to the other guys, Todd and Corey, that, that you can hold that together with your hands almost. But the speeds we can achieve in something like that, we have a uh, one of our divisions in France has a cycle speed that's over 70 cycles per minute. So typically, so we're, day is that? well, it depends on the number of cavities, obviously. But we have parts that we produce half a million pieces a, a shift. So half a million a shift. That's a lot of parts. In a day. Yeah. Uh, okay. But some of them, you know, it just depends on how bulky the part is. We make a lot of counterweight. 
So when you lift the door handle in your car, what makes it come back down? We make that component inside. And that's a, it's, it's, it's precision, but it's also the weight is a big requirement on that. So that's where zinc works out over bag and aluminum, but uh, it, you need that. Sometimes you just need that weight in the car. So uh, those cycle times are more like in the 10 or 12 cycles per minute. Wow. Okay. So is, is the zinc process pretty labor intensive or is it fairly automated? No, our machines are all automated. So they're the cells, they all run by themselves. They have, uh, uh, the bars are fed in the back automatically. So they, as a, as a pot requested, uh, you know, a bar will come down and, and not shock the furnace. It slowly goes in and parts come out the front. We have sensors all around that detect the part coming out, detect the runner coming out. Uh, the, the majority of our parts in die gate also similar to plastic. So the part will come out separate from the runner. They go in two different directions, so we have to have a camera pick both of those up. But it's a pretty automated system. We run eight machines per operator. Eight machines per operator. So you, you know, using utilizing that labor pretty effectively when you're making castings. That that's amazing. It's hard that's for amazing. for uh, for competition, foreign competition with lower labor. It's hard for them to compete. Once you get automated, it you know you take that factor out, and it's just us against them. Wow, that, that's that's excellent from all three of you. Yeah, I'd like to reiterate that uh, it's wonderful to talk about die castings in this way, to be able to share the way that die castings impact our lives. You know, it's like you, like everybody's been saying, everywhere you look, you're going to find a die casting of some sort, whether it's aluminum, magnesium, zinc. Here within the state of Indiana, which is so our plant in Kokomo, Indiana. I'd also like to say that, you know, three extremely large aluminum die casting facilities sit within the state of Indiana alone. And then here within the Midwest, within the United States, an extreme um, amount of aluminum and magnesium gets, gets poured every day. So major impact economic wise to here within the United States and within our world. So an important industry for not only Indiana, but for, you know, the, the United States and exactly important to our economy. Excellent. Yeah, it, it does surprise me still every day about how many products that I run into that are either manufactured by Twin City die casting or just die castings overall. And, you know, I started to think about it and, and die casting really does make our life better. And it, it makes products out there uh, better by making lighter, as Corey talked about. Uh, but also a lot more cost effective. If they were using different uh, processes out there, the cost of a lot of the different products that we buy would be more expensive out there uh, because die casting is, is very efficient for higher volume production out there. So great process out there helps uh, in many different areas, whether it's medical, automotive, just that whole shaving every every morning out there. So it's something we should all be proud of and and uh, continue to get better out there and, and uh, support the, the the country overall and and make all of our lives better. Well, you had mentioned uh, recyclability, and I think that there's an awful lot of people out there that don't realize that zinc or zinc aluminum and magnesium castings are recyclable. And we we're getting more of a push lately from our larger customers who have to be uh, community sensitive and they have to show that what in their products are are um, recyclable. And it's amazing to me, they call up and they they say, 
can this be recyclable? And it just seems so obvious to me, but because I'm in the industry, that it's recyclable. And they they didn't really they don't really seem to understand that. So if anything, I we need to push that more that our materials can go right back in and they're sustainable and they don't need to be tossed and floating around in the ocean for a while. Oh, absolutely. I, I think the the greenness of all three of these metals, you know, greenness meaning they, they can be used over and over and over and, and aluminum mag and zinc cast it today, use it for its entire life and then recast it into something new three or five years from now and, and make a whole new product and then have a whole new life cycle from exactly the same metal. That, that Dave, you're, you're exactly correct. I think that the recyclability of the materials that we work with all day, every day, along with all the, the areas that we touch, vital not only to our, our industry, but vital, I think, to you know, sustainability into the future. Todd, Dave, and Corey, I want to thank you guys for joining us today on our very first podcast. I hope that everybody who's listening has a better understanding of what die casting is, what goes into it, how it impacts our everyday life, and just some of the nuances with it. I mean, you don't have to be an expert to understand that all of the little pieces and large pieces within our lives that are impacted by die casting makes it a tremendously important industry for the United States and for the world. So thank you guys again. Thank you guys for what you do and for joining us today and telling us a little bit more about it. Thank you, Athena. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone.